Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Transfer deadline is all but done. I'm joined here by Lee Ryder. Um, we are recording this at quarter to eight, so things might change, but we don't foresee any major uh, surprises coming along, Lee. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the business Newcastle have done so far. That's three in on loan. Got Neville Bentelab, Danny Rose and Valentino Lazaro. For you, Lee, uh, an adequate January transfer window? I think if you'd have been offered three incoming new faces on January the 1st, I don't think many people would complain. And I think if you'd said Danny Rose, people would have gave the thumbs up for that. Uh, ben Aleb, I think he's one that you know can excite people once he gets fit. And Lazaro, you know, one that hasn't really done it in Italy. He's gone over there with a good reputation, very good at Hertha Berlin, if you ask fans in Germany, but hasn't delivered in Serie A so he's one who's got a point to prove but um, looks up for it um, little clips of him in training look decent so now he's got to transfer that onto the pitch he's got a, he's going to go straight in to the action so we'll, we'll be seeing him very soon so I think all in all the three players that have come in I don't think you can have any complaints about the question mark of course is whether Newcastle should have got a striker through the door you ask most people I think if you went out to the Newcastle City Centre tonight if you popped over to the Labour Club which is opposite our building I think the conversation will be about why have Newcastle not signed a striker Uh, we asked Steve Bruce that uh, earlier today and his reason for it was because he feels that none of the strikers that you know were he, he said they scoured the market none of the strikers that were available were as good as what they've got so You've got to trust him. He's a manager. Um, they've got three players in, and as I say, it's been—I think—it's been a relatively impressive win. I've, ha- I've had worse windows, put it that way. You mentioned there the striker because I think a lot of people would have been surprised that this mystery bid that Steve Bruce had referenced a couple of weeks about this mystery player. Yeah. Obviously, he gave a lot more information today than we found out. It was Samari from Lille reports in France suggesting that it could have been up to fifty-five million euros with add-ons plus uh, percentage in any further sell-on fee, which is a huge deal. A, I think people are probably surprised at that 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 claim, that information, the price tag there, but also the fact that, that the mystery bid wasn't on a striker. Yeah, I mean, I received some information a couple of weeks ago that Newcastle had put this huge bid in, um, but I got told, sit on it. Um, if it comes off, it'll be worth It'll be worth the story. Trust me, it's a great it's a great line. Sadly, um, Newcastle couldn't get the deal done. The player had a change of heart, and the moment they knew that they weren't going to get him, they've gone and got Bent Leb um, from Schalke. So, in mixed emotions, really. I think most people uh, don't know too much 
about the player don't know too much about the French League it's not one of the for me it's not one of the big leagues there's some big teams in it but it's not one of the big leagues and really for Newcastle um, they've got to look at it now and say this is what we've got we've got 14 games to go in the Premier League um, you know let's just firstly try and get to the safety total but can they do any more than that can they get past you know 50 points Wolves qualified for Europe 57 last year it's food for thought some fans on social media just saying well actually if Mike Ashley wanted to take the club forward with Newcastle being on 30 points after this uh, amount of games there would have been a chance to go out and buy a striker similar to what happened when CC came in perhaps and said right, we're going to make a push for it mm. what would you say to those fans who are kind of saying well isn't not bringing a striker in it shown that lack of ambition I mean you, I can totally see that argument but let's put yourself in the position of Man United they want a striker look at some of the players they've been linked with Slomani Slomani was here and to be totally honest he was he'd be regarded forever on Tyneside as a flop he, he just couldn't didn't do it um, ended up getting himself banned for the last few games if you remember uh, just didn't want to be here um, and Man United have suddenly have had him as a top target they moved on to Josh King who Newcastle have, have looked at before but not quite um, fancied in the end I think they were they were linked with Rondon which was a big surprise I'm sure a lot of fans in Newcastle would have welcomed Rondon back because of his past association with the club but that just shows Man United struggles Chelsea have had problems they've had to like keep up Giroud there Giroud who doesn't even want to be there they've, they've got someone against his will being there so um, Tottenham another side who've struggled to, to get a striker and you know the big the big name that I think everyone would have liked to sign was Piatek the Polish guy um, who's now ended up at Hertha Berlin on a massive deal um, I think that was put to Newcastle I think it was something like 27 million in the end and Newcastle didn't want to pay that for, for a player um, who's out of form and also agent fees were high on that one I believe so a lot of teams put off by that one um, he's ended up going to Germany but it's it's been an interesting window um, for all the clubs but going back to the question who's the quality striker that was available uh, you know if you go if you look at all the top scorers around the different countries in Europe and you went right I want him from Italy or, or France or Spain and you could be getting charged £150 million something like that because teams do not want to sell the top players in this in this particular window one player who does play up top and he scores a lot of goals at least in the championship is Jared Bowen he is on his way at the time of recording to the West Ham Stadium <coughs> sorry to the West Ham Stadium to meet David Moyes um, lots of reports that actually he would have preferred to come to Newcastle Steve Bruce didn't think he was perhaps better than what they've got at the moment just explain your understanding on that whole chase because it's a saga that's been going on for, for quite a while and it eventually looks like it's going to be drawing to a close yeah, again, it's it's like with Steve Bruce, it's almost like you've got to you've got to trust him on it. I suppose he knows Jarrod Bone at Hull. I think he was there when you know he I think he signed him, didn't he, for fifty grand or something. So he knows whether he's worth the twenty million that West Ham have now paid. Um, does that mean Steve Bruce doesn't like him? No, it doesn't it? Just means that basically he didn't feel he was worth the twenty million pound that West Ham have paid and time will tell um, to jump up from the championship and then 
have the expectation to be firing on all cylinders and getting goals add to his 17 goals you know in the championship in the top division I think that's a, it's a big ask and you know look at look at Dwight Gale Dwight Gale was banging them in left right and centre in the championship he came to Newcastle did okay but couldn't get the prolific numbers he got in that division so yeah from that point of view maybe Steve Bruce has got a bigger target in mind uh, as a centre forward for the summer and I, I guess you have to give him the benefit of the doubt well lots of questions actually can lead from that tomorrow bid is it a positive sign that if there's a player um, that the scouting staff like and Steve Bruce gives the go ahead they will go out and get him and they will offer a lot of money for a player um, I mean well, yeah is it a positive looking ahead to the summer uh, well <laughs> if it says anything it says that two weeks ago Mike Ashley gave the green light to spend almost £40 million again so that says to me you know unless every time you sp- unless every time he makes one of these big signings the price overall price is going up um, for the sale of the club we don't know we can't ask him sadly we've asked him plenty of times but he doesn't doesn't want to do it but um Look, at the end of the day, I think it says it's business as usual. Are the people interested in a takeover? Yes, they are. We've had the talks, they were confirmed. Was there a bid on the table? No, they couldn't come to an agreement. So, yeah, I can understand people being sceptical, but has it affected Newcastle's transfer window? No, it hasn't. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. It's sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group the Northeast number one family-owned Toyota, Mazda and Suzuki dealership group. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcasts from. On a takeover, are there signs, any suggestions that you can see from the business that's been done this month, you know, about the conclusion to the whole takeover saga? Or is it, like you say, just simply business as usual? Well, you would think that... Look, we we all know now. I mean, we're sitting here six days on since the story broke, uh, was leaked to Wall Street Journal, and we're sitting here now, and we we all everybody knows now the people who are involved, um, the wealth that they've got, and you would think that if they wanted to make it a reality, they've got the money to you know blow Mike Ashley out of the water, basically. Um, but they haven't come to that agreement yet because obviously something something isn't right with the deal. Um, and people again, people are sceptical. We're sceptical. Until these things are actually, you know, rubber stamped, um, you know, every, everybody will have that air of caution, um, you know, going into any takeover story. So just looking at around the, the league and around the transfer window deals that have happened or are happening, one that stands out is, is Luke Matheson. Obviously, he changed the game for Rochdale against Newcastle um, in the FA Cup. He's someone that Newcastle have looked for looked at prior to Steve Bruce's arrival and against Steve Bruce then mentioned him after that Rochdale game. He looks like he's off to Wolves for just a, a small price of £1 million. Yeah, maybe that's the one that's got away from everybody in this transfer window you know £1 million for a British player especially you know looking forward to the whole Brexit thing where you're going to need as many you know British uh, players 
on board if this work permit thing you know comes into play he's a very young player very raw but wow did he turn that game round against Rochdale he came on and Newcastle couldn't cope with him I'm really surprised that they haven't had at least a little nibble at that one um, because one million pound it's a drop in the ocean really and it really for me it ticks a lot of boxes Um, now whether Newcastle's stance on it is that they feel he's no better than the players they've got of that age who knows I mean it's one we will be asking you know the people like Ben Dawson and Steve Harper going forward will be asking him that question now because at £1 million you would have thought that that was a, a deal to, to really get stuck into you were, I think you were very impressed with what you saw when he came on just looking then at um, potential exits from Newcastle Atsu offered out of clubs uh, Key has gone his, his contract's been uh, terminated and then you've also got Andre Savé still nestling away somewhere still trading with the first team he's got no hope of returning to that squad though Steve Bruce has been very clear in that um, so we'll start there with Savé you know, we are recording this, I would say, a couple of hours before the, the deadline, so things might change. But as things stand, I think he's been offered about, but there's been no one to come in yet again, and it looks like he'll probably still be here come come February. Yeah, it is pretty amazing, really, that you know he's going to be picking up fifty thousand a week plus. Um, this is a player that hasn't even you know wanted to play in the under twenty threes because. Um, probably wants to, didn't want to risk playing for too many clubs but now you know going the second half of the season you would think that he would want to you know at least get some match fitness but it's a strange one it can happen in football you can end up being frozen out him and Jack Colback that's happened to them this season um, but a couple of things might happen there's still you know there's still obviously time in in this window as we speak there's a couple more hours um, there is other windows open still it's you know uh, I think Russia is open still and there'll be I think Middle East clubs we have to wait and see what happens with China um, because of the situation over there but realistically it's a player that I mean every manager that I've spoke to about him has told me he's one of the fittest fittest players in the squad but for some reason, nobody seems to um, want to want to give him that opportunity. But the, the times when I've actually seen him on the pitch, I mean, we all seen that free kick at West Ham. Uh, he had a great game back then. Uh, I've seen him a few times in the under twenty threes, and you know he's, he's he's looked looked decent. But you know, he had great reputation before he came here at Bordeaux. I think he was a captain at Bordeaux, but for some reason, it just hasn't worked for him. It's a very strange one. Uh, and then just on the other ones there, Atu, you can't fault his commitment and his effort, but if you're going to be the stand-in silence at maximum, then you've got to offer at least close to what he can, and that isn't easy for, for anybody. But this just doesn't seem to be that end, end product. He's had a, a couple of good games this season. I think Spurs, we can all give him credit for, for coming on when Sir Maxim went off injured. I think it was after 12 minutes, and he and he, he did. He played his part in that. Obviously, he set, set up... Uh, Joe Linton for the goal but he's just I mean obviously with with Lazaro coming in and then you look at Danny Rose coming in and Matt Ritchie's probably going to have to be pushed up to there up to the, that left kind of wing role there's just no place for him if he wants first team football yeah I mean it's just strange it was over um, 
12 months it was pre-season not last summer the one before in uh, Portugal and myself and a couple of other journalists sat with Christian Atu done, done a series of interviews with him and he said there and then he'd just come back from uh, I think it was a knee operation at the time and he said you know that this is going to be my season this was last season he said I know I've got to get my end product right I know I've got to get goals I know I've got to get assists uh, and now this season when he's come into it he just hasn't as you say apart from the you know episode that you mentioned uh, he hasn't he hasn't done it I mean I don't know what the problem is but no I think against Everton he didn't put one cross in didn't have a shot on target and it's unless he's being assigned a more defensive role um, but what, we, what we'd love him to see is you know get up the pitch and demonstrate that quality that he's, clear, he's clearly got it because he wouldn't have been at the clubs he's been at um, without it so strange one and had he left though or if he does manage to leave in the next couple of hours then I don't think anyone will be you know devastated just simply because he hasn't really hit the heights that we, we feel he's capable of Celtic linked but uh, apparently he's decided that he's going to stay at Newcastle and fight for his future and obviously the other one is key he's had his contract terminated I mean that was not a surprise at all Steve Bruce has said that you know it's time for him um, to move on no clubs willing to take to take it on at the moment so his contract has been terminated like we say it just didn't work out you know very experienced player neat and tidy but I guess when you haven't got the ball as often as maybe you'd like you've got to be able to hit that killer pass more times than not with limited opportunities as well and Key just doesn't seem to have that in his locker No it doesn't doesn't fit in to the style of play that Steve Bruce wants to to, to use basically and basically the way Newcastle are trying to play it's very, it is similar to the way Rafa uh, Benitez set up but he, basically Newcastle they want to be Absolutely lightning quick on the on the counter. Um, Key isn't is a one paced player. He's got that great technical ability, great vision. But if you know if it's a case of everybody flying forward, he he's not the man for this system. And the other thing is that if you speak to any of the coaching staff, they'll say you know they sat down um, two or three months into the into the season and they thought Sean Longstaff, Key. Shelby, Isaac Hayden, all very similar type of players. Um, one of them was always going to go one way or the other in this window. It wasn't going to be Sean Longstaff unless he got a big bid. John Joe Shelby's about to sign a new, big new contract. And Isaac Hayden, you know, he gives you everything that you've got. So it was always likely to be key. They couldn't sell him. They didn't get a fee for him. They've ended up agreeing um, to pay him off. And he can look for a new club for, from tomorrow. So, yeah, it, it didn't work out. But, you know, he's, he put out a nice statement before, but I'm sure he'll just shrug his shoulders and, you know, get on with the, with the next move. Then just on to the under-23s and just briefly, obviously, uh, Eliza Sorensen returned from Carlisle. You thought that he might go back out on low. And I think uh, you mentioned that Liam Gibson also had an approach. But... As it stands, no one is heading out um, on loan for those first team experiences. I think they were certainly looking for for the right club. Um, Sorensen obviously had a nightmare spell at Carlisle on the back of a nightmare spell at Blackpool, so they need to 
find that it has to be the right move for him um, this season you know has he pushed close to getting on that first team pitch he's been on the bench a couple of times but Steve Bruce hasn't really fancied him and I just think that maybe needs to maybe he needs to drop down to the conference and have a have a stint there somewhere and see see what he can produce because obviously he can't keep going to clubs and not getting a game League 1 was clearly too much League 2 was clearly too much so if he has to dip down I mean he he's not um he's not a like raw kid anymore he's you know he's, he's tw- over 21 now so I think it's important that that this next movie is is the right one for him um but I, I do see an old-fashioned sort of poacher in Elias Sorensen, but it's other things he needs to brush up on, like you know, defensive work and um, shape, things like that. But sadly, um, unless you can tick all them boxes that first-team head coach is looking for, it's, it's going to be difficult for you. Liam Gibson as well obviously back from Grimsby very uh, he was he impressed at Grimsby from what I've been been told uh, sometimes used as a centre back as well and they were they're quite happy with him but he's back it looks like an approach has been rejected so has he got he's, has he got a, f- a future actually in and around the first team do you think well I mean he's never going to get a better chance to get opportunities um, left backs Willems out for the season Dummett out for the season Matt Ritchie now looks at like he's possibly going to be pushed up uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch. So that would leave Danny Rose and, and Liam Gibson. Um, if he's going to be a deputy to, to Danny Rose, then I think that's a it's a positive for him. Um, we'll we'll see how, where he fits in. But you know, he's, this is a kid who's steely resilient. He hasn't fought back from. Um, you know, if you, you can go as far back as uh, twenty sixteen, I think he got a debut uh, in mid season mid season friendly over in Spain. And then you thought, hmm, we might kick on here. Um, he had some serious illness issues. He's fought back from all of that. So it would be, be a lovely moment to see him get a, any taste of first-team football in the next three or four months. And good luck to him. He's a, he's a really good lad, really good character. And hopefully he can, uh, he can uh, as I say, get that debut. And then it's another, it's another one for the, another little triumph for the academy. And just before I get you to sum up this window then, um, small matter, have a game tomorrow against Norwich City. You expect it again to be around 52,000. And we could see three Premier League debutants for Newcastle United, which, you know, OK, we haven't seen a striker come in, um, but that's something to be excited about as a fan. And you, you want to see these players, uh, you know, they'll, they'll want to impress. And there's no better game to do it in than no disrespect to Norwich against the side Battling for the lives. Uh, well, actually, is it because of the battle for the lives? It might be a tougher game. But our <laughs> point is, you know, they've got a chance against a, a, a relatively, shall we say, poor side to to prove themselves to the uh, to the fans. That is probably going to come back and bite me. But Lee, yeah, I, th- I think I know exactly where you're coming from. It's, it's one of them where the, Norwich are the rooted to the bottom. Uh, confidence is low, and if Newcastle can get a really flying start in this game then it's going to be a long afternoon for Norwich. There's no doubt about that. But it's about how they start. And those three players you mentioned, you know, I, I think one or two of them are probably going to start. One will be on the bench. But it just gives fresh impetus. And to be able to 
I mean, we don't know the team yet. Steve Bruce is keeping that very, very close to his chest. But say you are bringing someone like Lazaro off ben, or Ben Taleb off the off the bench, um, they could possibly change a game for you. Particularly Lazaro, you throw him on. So hopefully they can uh, get off to a flying start. It's interesting that, like you say, Steve Bruce keeping it the team close to his chest. But you would probably see Danny Rose starting in that left wing back role. So the question, the big question for me is. Where's Matt Ritchie going to fit into all this? Because you've got Lazaro who can play where uh, Alan St. Maxwell plays. Obviously, Matt Ritchie, he's the life and soul of that, that team. You need him in there just to keep driving people forward um, and to keep the standards high. But you're suddenly looking at it and you're thinking, well, he's not first choice up top on the left and he's now probably not first choice left wing back. So <laughs> what happens here? Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting point, and that'll be one of the first things I'm looking out for on the team sheet, as I'm sure the fans will be. Uh, the thing with Matt Ritchie is, no matter where you put him on the pitch, you're going to get 110 percent. And whether it's at left wing back or further up the pitch, you know, it it, it doesn't matter. You get you benefit from his vocality. Um, you benefit from his leadership and his high standards that he demands and it's a nice problem to have for Steve Bruce to put it that way and now Matt Ritchie's fully fit um, it's going to be interesting to see you know what exactly how, how it pans out but remember we've got two games in the next three days before a break so I'm sure there's a clutch of players who won't be involved in both games so maybe a little hint maybe Steve Bruce might be preserving one or two of them for that cup game against Oxford because let's be honest if we beat Norwich 33 points suddenly you can really start thinking about the cup we didn't want the replay at Oxford we've got it but Steve Bruce told me today he was going to go as strong as he could down at Oxford so I think it's going to be a case of seeing how he um, how he rotates the squad um with the pl- few players he's got in the, in the next uh, three or four days. Well, that's what you mentioned there, the few players he got. Missing Annie Carroll, yeah. missing Mudo, no. missing Gale. Gale yeah. So you foresee Joe Linton actually starting, yes, Shelby as well. You, you, you foresee Joe Linton starting up top for both games and he's not exactly 100%. He's had a few niggling injuries or one niggling injury. Um, and it goes back to that question about Australia again because heaven forbid if the worst happens tomorrow and Jolinton gets carried off then Newcastle are suddenly well they don't want to be where, where they will be well I think it would, it would take some injury for him to be carried off because he's a big big strong competitor and even if you look at the fact he hasn't he hasn't got the goals that we all hoped he would get in the number nine shirt but if you look at the last game I know it was Oxford I know it was a cup but you know he, he got battered and bruised and he wanted to keep going he wanted he, you know he was to the point of frustration waiting for the ball from Alan St Maximin puts it in the net anyway and if he'd got it a little bit earlier he might you know be celebrating another goal um, but he looked like a, a true warrior by the end didn't he he was bandaged up uh, Vaseline all over his face like a boxer and you just think you know his look will change and his look maybe already has, has changed in a way you know in terms of he's starting to really look dangerous, hit the bar against Chelsea, um, got the corner that eventually won it. So it's little things that you're hoping they can just build on. And you know, unlucky not get one against Oxford in the in the cup, but 
I think um, he's due on. He missed the missed a real sitter down at Norwich and Carrow Road in August. So maybe that's in his mind that you know he wants to to um, put things right in this game. He's got a lovely bruise as well, but his eye, we've seen the, 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 the I was just about to mention that, a lovely bleach blonde hairstyle, so hopefully that brings him some luck in front of goal. Lee, finally then, just sum up this window um, and then give it a rating as well um, at the end of your sum up. Yeah, as I say, as I said at the start, um, for me, they're stronger than they were on January the 1st. They bought in three high-quality internationals um, who you know two of them are likely to be playing in the Euros at the end of the season so I think definitely high quality um, and players that can really challenge the squad if you're asking me to give a rating I would for me I, I would give an 8 out of 10 I really would I know there's the striker argument but I think Joe Linton will eventually calm down and get goals and come good. I think Andy Carroll will win. There's no way he's going to get through the season without getting a couple. Um, Dwight Gale still to come back. Muto would like to see him do well. Um, and, you know, hope. I mean, he's got a point to prove as well. So for me, an 8 out of 10. I know a lot of people will probably agree with it, but hey, that's ratings. We've been there before. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Lee. Uh, guys, thank you very much for listening. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast.